temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Welcome to the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hola, I am Dan Day. On the way in less than an hour, we are going to have the Florida Panthers' first hockey game of the season, where they're going to be taking on the Lightning in Tampa. You can come to the watch party with Hockman, Crowder, Solana, and myself at the Funky Buddha Brewery. Oh yeah, we're going to shut that place down and we're going to pull the Panthers through with some Funky Buddha. So you know I'm very excited about that. Hope to see you there. On the way, going to get to some Joe Rose, Dan Lebetard, and Stephen A. Smith. But right now, let's go to headlines. Tonight's Thursday night football matchup features the Rams versus Seahawks at 8:20. Miami has the week off. Tonight's college lineup will see Georgia Southern play Southern Alabama, then Temple take on East Carolina. The Canes play Saturday against Virginia Tech. Kickoffs at 3:30. Listen to it here on 560 The Joe. The Rays eliminated the A's 5-1 last night in the AL wildcard game. The MLB playoffs continue today with St. Louis taking on Atlanta and the Nationals versus the Dodgers. As mentioned earlier, the Panthers open NHL play tonight in Tampa against the Lightning at 7. You are invited to join Hawk, Crowder, Solana, and myself for the watch party at Funky Buddha Brewery. The Heat have begun practicing conditioning. They open the season October 23rd against Memphis here in Miami. In Champions League play, Man U and AZ Alkamar played to a scoreless draw. Wolfsburg and St. Etienne, another draw at 1-1. Wolfsburger and AS Roma, same thing, 1-1. Finally, Arsenal blasted St. Liège 4-0. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. Ah. <sighs> Three drug dealers were stranded at sea after their boat sank off the coast of Colombia. The three were able to stay alive by using over a ton of cocaine packages as floaties. Talk about being on the high seas. A moose recently got stuck for hours in a New Hampshire backyard pool. (laughs) Same thing happens to me when I have too many Mango Rita's poolside. Real quick, happy birthday to Gwen Stefani. Hot! Speaking of hot, now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast is cloudy with temperatures around 80. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Earlier this morning, Joe Rose got some booty in the form of Josh Booty. What'd they talk about? Well, they talked about Booty being on the Marlins and what happened to that big signing bonus that he got. Also, he dropped some names like Saban, Jimbo, and Gase. Believe in LSU. And for the second night in a row... Tanking for Burrow? Josh Booty, by the way, former LSU quarterback, played for the Raiders, the Seahawks, a Marlin third baseman as well. By the way, not just a Marlin. Guy was a first-round pick. Right. There's 200 rounds, and this guy was this at guy the top. Was, and that's it. Coming in, torn, torn. Josh will tell you, good morning, Josh. T- talk between being that good where you can pick between going to any college you want to go to to play football <laughs> and being a first-round guy. Not bad. Uh, you don't get that very Man. often. Good morning, Josh. That was a like, good morning, guys. I, that was a long time. You know, 90, 94 draft, but um, it was when the Marlins were 
we're just getting started, and uh, it was a, it was a fun to be a part of that. Of course, Hazinga was was uh, leading the charge there, and Renee Latchman was the manager. Wow. So I, you know, Latch was the first guy I ever met inside the organization. I walked into the into the clubhouse the first day after I signed, and Charlie Huff was sitting in the locker room smoking a cigarette, and he was about <laughs> to go out and pitch. <laughs> and I'm like, man, if this is what Major League Baseball is all about, I kind of like it. Josh, <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. You know, we we talk every time we see a guy uh, finish one sport or come. You know, he has to. He has to. We saw Tebow. After playing, you know, in age 30, mm-hmm. decided he's going to be a baseball player. And I was like, it's just not, it, it's hard, man. I know no for chance. you, you did a little backwards. You were like, you were torn from, da- I, I think everybody even felt with the Marlins. They want you just to get you to take that yeah. signing bonus. Take the signing bonus and he'll get football <laughs> out of his brain. And you grew up in football country. And I was like, man, it, yeah. it, it never left, right? I mean, it's there every time it you're never up there. left. My dad, yeah, I, I was hoping it, I kind of was hoping it would because you know, I loved playing baseball growing up. Little League, there's nothing better. But, you know, my dad was a football coach. I had a brother that was a couple years behind me in high school, and he ended up signing with LSU and starting his freshman year at receiver. And I knew if I could get back to LSU, I'd have a chance to play with him. And, you know, going back home in the off season, and everybody just loves football so much in the South. It was it was very difficult to keep my mind on baseball and, you know, baseball training type of stuff because it was just football was in my blood, man. And so it was very, very tough. I had a hard time because you know in baseball I wanted to do a, you know too much too fast and maybe he was trying to hit home runs and or different things and trying to produce at just a super high level at, at 18 19 years old and you know I was just saying I'm giving it everything I got I'm gonna try to hit a home run every at bat and see what happens and if not I'll go back and play football in three yeah. or four years and anyways I ended up going back after four full seasons of you know, pro ball. And man, it was tough when I first got back to LSU because I hadn't even worn a helmet or pads in a long time. But, you know, I got used to it. The second year, Saban came in and changed things at LSU. And it was a big help to me, Jimbo Fisher, offensive coordinator. So throwing out some names. But wow, those that's pretty strong. Really Turn the program around. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's crazy because we had we well you you guys are familiar with Adam Gase down there in Miami last year, but we had Adam Gase and Freddie Kitchens as GAs under Jimbo Fisher under Saban at LSU in two thousand. So we had quite a staff. Jeez, wow. Josh, that's crazy. Did you get to keep that? I mean, if you don't mind me getting in your personal life a little bit, did you get? Yeah. To, oh, yeah. Did you get to keep that signing bonus? That was a good size signing bonus even back then. <laughs> I did. Uh, I had to give away. Uh, I had to give back one one year's worth of it. So it was divided up when I had to when I had to when when Hazinga sold the team to Henry. Henry is the one that let let me out of my contract, and Henry made me sign uh, pay back one year um, of the five year no football clause. So I'd played four. There was one year left. He goes, man, I want you to do your dream. I'd never take a dream away from a, a young kid. So go back and play football. We'll keep you right. And I paid one year back. It was a couple hundred thousand bucks. And I went back to LSU, man. Look That's a couple that. hundred thousand you ever paid to go back to college, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard to try to do both, but I, I had fun trying. <laughs> Josh, you're also the host of the Believe in LSU football podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. And, and of course, uh, we've been talking a lot down here and we will continue to talk a lot down here when it comes to the Dolphins about quarterbacks mm-hmm. in college and who might be the next the franchise guy for the Dolphins. And of course, the usual su- suspects have come up in the last couple months. Tua and Herbert from Oregon. Mm-hmm. But now there's a kid in LSU whose name is popping up all over the place, Joe Burrows. What can you tell us about Joe Burrow and, and what he's kind of brought to that LSU team? He's been fantastic. He leads the nation in completion percentage of over 80% of his passes are completed. And that's 
that's an amazing feat. You know, LSU has always been a pro-style, eye-backfield kind of power game team. We brought in a guy named Joe Brady, uh, who was a he's a young guy, 29-year-old guy from the Saints last year. He was under Sean Payton, and he brought in the spread to help our off coordinator, Steve Ensminger, and uh, what, what they were doing at LSU. And, and, you know, LSU's got great receivers. we got great running backs. we got four uh, offensive line guys returning this year. So everything was kind of set up perfect for uh, them to try this new offense and run the spread. Joe Burrow, he, he, he he ran the spread in high school. He ran the spread at Ohio State with Urban Meyer and the RPO stuff for the first three years of his college career, even though he didn't start. He, you know, so he played in that system. He learned the system, and then Joe Brady brought this spread in. So he's just been fantastic at it. To be honest with you, we played four games. He he's lit it up: eighteen touchdowns, two picks. He had a huge game at Texas. He looks comfortable. He looks confident. He can run enough too. You know, he's not a real runner compared to like a Justin Fields or a Jalen Hurts. You know, he. He's not going to set the world on fire with his feet, but he can move outside the pocket and complete balls. He'll pick up five, six, seven, eight yards if he needs to with his legs. And, you know, he's just an efficient passer. He knows where to go with the football. He's a fifth-year senior. You know, he looks good in this LSU offense, and he's got monsters around him, man. I'm telling you, our receiving group – Six two, six three, six four. Tight ends are six five, six six. I mean, he's got great players. They throw the ball to the back, uh, which helps him a lot. Uh, you know, get that completion percentage way up there. He's completing a lot of balls to the running backs, which is, has been big for him. I think it's just a, a good offense for him. Josh, we got to put you on the spot because that's what everybody's doing down here right now, trying to figure out which quarterback if the Dolphins end up with that first, second, or third pick. Love. I'm gonna throw some names Ooh. out. You tell them. Love from you know them all. Burrow, Tua, yep. and Herbert out in. Oregon, which guy would you go with if it was just you being a combination GM head coach? Man, you know, it'd be hard not to go with Tua, and this is why. Because, you know, he's played in all the big games. He practices against Nick Saban and his defense every day. And something has to be said for that because the athletes that they've had the last few years, especially on the defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, if you just look at who he's practiced against day in, day out, it's a, you know, a lot of guys on NFL rosters. So he's seen a ton, you know, I, I played for Saban. I went up against Saban in practice, and you know it's just very, very difficult sometimes to move the ball because he does a lot on defense. And he's Alabama's got great players, so it'd be hard to say Herbert was as ready, you know, or like even Eason, who's up in Washington, and 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 the projected kind of guy um, to say that these guys are guys like a guy like Love, you know, at Utah State, who LSU plays this week. It's hard to say that they would be more prepared than Tua, just because. You know, two in stature is not quite as big as those guys. Maybe not as big an arm, but he can sling it and he can move around and make make plays outside the pocket. And that's the new game. I mean, we're seeing the NFL change right before our eyes, and he's practiced against great teams and played in huge games. I, I don't know how you'd pass on him, Josh. I got Joe now in quarterback kind of uh, mode uh, on the weekends, trying to find games for him to watch. And of course, Love LSU it. this weekend, <laughs> LSU and Utah State. Yeah, I never thought I'd watch that right. darn game. I, I told I Joe, and he was shocked that like, oh my god, I get to watch both guys this weekend, Burroughs and Love. Have you seen Love play at all? What, what do you What have you seen by Love? If you I, have, I have, man. I, I I like him a lot. Of course, they run the spread. He's thrown for over forty touchdowns in his career. They average about forty points a game. They play. Orgeron, our, our head coach, calls it a warp speed. I mean, they'll go no huddle and they'll go fast up tempo. They call it at the line of scrimmage. So it's a fun game to watch. You you guys are going to enjoy it. You know, this guy's got a strong arm. He can move a lot. Uh, he he reminds me of Kaepernick. He's probably not near as as uh, 
a good a runner, like down downfield runner, like Kaepernick could just take it to the house if you you gave him a crease. But he's that t- type of looking player. He throws it probably a little bit better than Kaepernick did, and runs it a little less uh, as good as Kaepernick. But I, I mean, I like him uh, a lot. I have one of my good friends is his quarterback coach in Orange County, Steve Calhoun, armed and dangerous. And and he before the year he said, I bet you a hundred bucks he's the first pick in the draft. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And I haven't even seen this guy play yet. So, I mean, he he was praising him, you know, early this offseason and – and so I've, I've watched him close just because of my buddy Steve and, and what he said. But I, I think the kid's a great player. Of course, he's not going to have the players around him that uh, that Burrow has this right. weekend. It might be tough on him in, a, in an environment like this in Tiger Stadium. But who knows? He could come down there and light it up. We, we've given up some points this year, and we score fast. So they might have to try to score uh, just as often, and they might let him loose, you know. Hey, Josh, uh, since you follow the SEC and all these teams around LSU, what's your thoughts on Auburn and Florida this week? That's a heck of a matchup yeah, in Gainesville. I think it's a heck of a matchup. I, I think Malzahn has done uh, the best job in college football this year. Really? Uh, you know, of course, he assumed the play call, uh, play calling duties again. I mean, if you look at the whole college landscape, I think Wisconsin has surprised people. Of course, that big win against Michigan, and then Auburn and what they've done. Uh, they've got two big wins: Oregon and Texas A&M on the road. I mean, so I think they've done a lot. Uh, early in the season, Florida kind of waiting to see what you know, what they can do. Now Dan Mullen's one of the best game day coaches there is. I think I like this backup quarterback. Trask can get it done. Uh, I'm not a huge Felipe Franks fan to be honest with you, but you know, strong arm quarterback can project you know like crazy. But this kid gives them a chance to win. I, I think it's going to be a tight ball game. Uh, Auburn's defensive front is spectacular, but Florida always plays good defense. I think it could be a field goal game. I, you know, if I had to bet my life on it, I'm saying Auburn. You know, because they run the football so well. Two weeks ago, they had three guys rush the ball for over 100 yards. I mean, these guys can play it. They look, they look better than I ever thought they would look. Josh, it is amazing that every year we go into the college football season, and you know, some of the usual suspects still on the top. It's Alabama, it's Clemson, Georgia now in there, but LSU, Auburn, Florida, the big bad SEC kind of flexing their muscles once again this year with five or six teams in the yeah. top 16. It's unbelievable. It really is. You know, it's a testament to the programs, the coaches, the recruiting, you know, the South and how, how well it is, uh, you know, what a great place to recruit players and, you know, offense side of the ball, defense side of the ball. I think, you know, LSU opening up is opening things up is really helping us, um, you know, kind of close the gap, hopefully, on Bama and some of these really good teams. You know, Clemson's real strong. They, they got a scare last week. But, you know, Ohio State is the team that I've watched a few times and gone, wow, you know, these guys can really play. I think they'll really make a run at this national championship and then Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts who, who uh, you know was backing two up last year I mean the guy's having the most incredible year of many, uh, maybe any of them and so you know you've got five or six piled up there and then Auburn and Florida are right behind them with Wisconsin I think Notre Dame's strong and stronger than people think they went to Georgia a couple weeks ago and were less than a touchdown away from winning that ball game on the road in a tough tough environment maybe the biggest game Georgia's had in the last three or four years at home so I don't know I just think there's a lot of good football teams I think, you know, at the end of the season, who's healthy, what quarterbacks stay healthy, what receivers stay healthy, because all these top-tier teams, they got great, great receivers. Josh, outstanding really today. You, you know what? You brought your first-round game today, five-star <laughs> football round. You brought it today there, brother. I, I mean, you did the combo Man, package. I <laughs> 
<laughs> man, I enjoy being on the show with you guys, brother. Anytime. Thank y'all for having me. Thanks, uh, Josh. We appreciate, we appreciate it. Appreciate Josh it too, Booty, who's also outside of the old Marlins for a uh, third baseman, first round pick, and uh, former right LSU quarterback, man. Raiders, Seahawks. He's the host of the Believe in LSU, LSU football podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. Always good to talk to Josh. Love me a booty call, Josh Booty. I actually went to school with him at LSU. He played quarterback. His brother, Abram, played wide receiver. And whenever Josh would complete a pass to Abram, they'd call it a booty call. Always love some Joe in the morning, too. The Joe Rose Show, weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. Also love me some Dan Lebetard. I'm in the loving mood today. Maybe it's because of the Hot Wind and Crowder Show talking about loving everybody. Maybe it's because we're going to Funky Buddha Brewery to watch that Florida Panthers game that you can actually listen to right here on 560 The Joe at 7 o'clock. Before that, though, we are going to get to the much-beloved Dan Lebetard. He's into the rap game. It's the best of The Joe Show. It killed me how these famous people turn gangbanger Because you ain't got to change games to be a game changer The same stuff I claim now, what I'm going to claim later It's the best of The Joe Show, running back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. You are listening to music from one of my favorite NBA players, Dame Dalla. Better known as Damian Lillard for the Portland Trailblazers. We'll get to that in just a minute. I am Dan Day. Please follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio and give us a follow at 560 WQAM. Of course, you can download the podcast for this show or any of the shows on this radio station wherever you get your podcast, the radio.com app, or you can simply go to our website, WQAM.com. And the best thing is, it is absolutely free. If earlier today you missed the Dan Lebetard show, I got you. Here he is, either fighting against or standing for the NCAA in a rap battle with Damian Lillard, a.k.a. Dame Dalla. It is very, very interesting what's going on in college sports right now. And I'm amazed by how many people are confused about what's going on in college sports with the pay-to-play act, okay? No one is paying these players to pay. The players have the ability to go out and really fend for themselves, regardless of your sport, regardless of what position you play. Uh, Dominique, I want to play a couple of sound bites here from Kirk Herbstreit, who was on with Golik and Wingo this morning, and just get your reaction to what it is Kirk had to say. I'm just not a big fan of jumping on top of the NCAA and acting as if everything, I mean, they, they can basically say anything, and 95% of the people who know nothing about what they're talking about make fun of the NCAA. It's just like it's it's the thing to do, and I, I don't agree with that. I think they need to make changes, you know, because I talk to people who are involved, guys like Gene Smith. They were looking at this before California did this. So I think it's good. It's, it creates dialogue. It, it gets, I think, things moving in the right direction. But there, I think it's a little bit trickier than I think most people think. You know, and name and likeness is different from paying players for their ability to play a game. If you start to pay a guy like Joe Burrow from LSU, wow, Joe, you've really earned your paycheck this week. But, oh, look at this right guard, this five-star that came in that's not worth a crap. You, my friend, you're fired. You're not, you're not allowed to play, and we're going to, in fact, take some of the money away from you because you suck. So I think there's a lot more to it than just pay everybody. Look at all this money. Everybody deserves money. It's a little trickier than that. You're making faces. I mean, because that just seems foolish. Because um, it seems like he's starting to come around to accept that some players are being exploited. But his reason not to exploit one player like Joe Barrow is because some other players might not get money. So it seems like the argument there is if the system won't be perfect, then we should not change the system. We should keep the system as 
unfair as it, as it is now because a change won't be even fairer. Like, it seems like a foolish kind of defense to me. And the reason California and the good thing about California passing this law is that it's going to force the other states or the NCAA to make it nationwide, right? The players having the ability, athletes having the ability to go out and fend for themselves, basically create their own business. Well, let's play this other audio clip from Kirk Herbstreit, because now I do think you might find yourself in a situation, and Kirk mentions it, where there might be some grandstanding by local politicians. So a uniform rule is probably beneficial at this point if it keeps going down this road. I don't know if we're going down a good path when individual states and governors get involved in trying to win constituents over by, ah, you know, I'm fighting for the players. You know, I, I just don't think that that's probably in our, our best interest. I, I agree with the concept, but would like to probably see it more universal across the whole country. And that's where I think the NCAA is going to have to, uh, Gene Smith, as I said, leading this this group. And it's not just one of these, oh, roll your eyes, NCAA having meetings. Uh, I think there's there's a lot to it and what they're trying to accomplish. I think they're just trying to be very diligent in how they how they accomplish it because it's it's a little bit tricky. It's not as easy as just pay the players. It's it's just not that simple. Um, so I, I think they're going to try to figure it out. But I, I would guess before that is able to get started in 23, we would have another ruling. Yeah, we probably will, but it is just as easy as pay the lawyers. Like, it is just that easy. (laughs) And I think that the law in California, as I understand it, makes it illegal to punish players for using their name and likeness to to make some money, which I think is the fact that it was against the rules in the first place is an issue. And removing that, this has become complicated because of the NCAA. Like, the way that the world exists and you think about child actors or any any employee, frankly, the way the world exists is you sell your services and you get paid for them. The only reason why it's complicated is because they put in these rules to say that employees, which is what college athletes are, can't get paid for this. And I do think the next step is that the players will get paid for their play, even if it's through this rule. If boosters and teams use this rule to circumvent the process and they just set up some sort of endorsement, be it bogus or not, and while they're recruiting, they're like, hey, all of our guys, they do endorsements for this pizza place where they get paid well more than market value to be to endorse this pizza place. Like, I expect that to be the way that we go. And I don't understand why the NCAA would necessarily be upset with that because all that does is it gets the players money and it still allows you to keep this system where you have the most important laborers not getting paid and you still get all the money. And Kurt also, like, he has vested interests in this process. So while he is critical of people who are on the outside and he, uh, I think, dubbed them as people who don't understand what it's like, he doesn't acknowledge that he has also some biases from being on the inside of this. But the counterpoint to that would be, okay, well, say Papa John is, at the time, a big booster of Louisville? the Louisville program. Right. Now they're getting a national pizza deal or Phil Knight with Oregon. Now right. you're endorsing. But I think that sort of turns to a, bl- a blind eye. Yeah, it's an advantage. And you don't think this stuff happens at certain programs under the table where that advantage already exists? Well, it probably does. But I think what Dominique is saying is is if the NCAA took care of this on their own, took care of the, their business and agreed to pay the players in some form or fashion, that we wouldn't have to go state by state here. And the fact that California now has a recruiting advantage, at least schools in that state have a recruiting advantage because you can go make some money while playing a college sport, it's going to force the other states to fall in line. It I just mean, bothers me that slow and methodical is the approach that everyone is, or that people on the inside are advocating for. And I don't think that would be the way you felt if you were being exploited, if you were the one being exploited. And like for many of these players, they have spent much of their young life cultivating this one skill and they have one opportunity to cash in on this very important skill. And they're, and some people are standing in a way of allowing that to happen. And that bothers me. And, and the defense, their position is we'll get there, take your time. But while you're taking your time, 
there's so many other players who are going through this process and getting undereducated, frankly, and sent out with injuries and think no workers comp to cover them because they're not employees and they're sent out with injuries and no money and no NFL career and undereducated with no real um, career aspirations. And they keep pointing to the few success stories as like, see, we gave you a free education. But I think any athlete, and that's this is this is the part where I think people are confused. They are essentially telling you, go create your own business. Go fend for yourself. And I made the point to the guys. Now, they laughed at me. You went to the University of Maryland. You're from that area. I was making the point that Taylor Cummings. Oh, Taylor Cummings. Thank you. She is everything. The one in Maryland. Yes. If she had the ability to go out and do lacrosse clinics or go out to a local car dealership and do some appearances, she would have made thousands upon thousands of dollars as a woman's lacrosse player in the state of Maryland while she was at school. Am I wrong? Millions. Thank you. The hierarchy is Taylor Cummings. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Boom! I am engaged in a rap battle. Battle. Because I tried to do Damian Lillard's, I tried to recreate Damian Lillard's diss track to Shaquille O'Neal. And he had the nerve. Well, I What mean, did he do? He, he had the nerve to do what? He nothing. laughed at you. You dumb. He laughed his butt off <laughs> at you. He is now buttless because he thinks you're some kind of fool. Yeah. Why are you always trying to bully people? He's buttless. In fights? He's buttless. I I just want to. We go can't the, take it. I just want to go on the record and say I don't believe Lillard was being aggressive. Get off the record. We don't want you on the record. Well, clearly. Off the record. Speaking of the record. Give me a beat. Oh. Yeah. Oh. What? Jay Weeds. Hook him. Give me some snare. Ready? Woof woof. Get him. You call yourself Dame Dollar. You let me give my two cents. Uh. You're out here acting like you're Kobe, but homie, you're Ray full of friends. No! No! Keep it going. Keep caring about rap and unimportant things and watch Steph lap you because he keeps winning rings. I got to hand it to you, kid. Your last track had some bars and it was a good look, but keep getting swept. And you won't amount to anything in my personal record book. What? Woo. Give it to him. You hit that dagger, and yeah, I bet you think you're balling, Uh but Mm -hmm. you're not even the best in your own backcourt. That'd be CJ McCollum. The Warriors lost KD, uh but the gulf between you and them is still wide. Homie, you're clowning. If you think you can win anything with us on white side. What did he do? I'm going to stop running up the score because even you know you lost. I just pulled you from this rap battle game like my name was Terry Stotts. Right off the top of my head. I'll try again. You hear the beat, guys? I thought you nailed it. Let's do it again. I think your headphones don't work. Let's go. Beat. You want it again? I thought you nailed it. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean. I thought it was flawless. I think it did better. It's pretty flawless. Freestyle. You can't right. do it again. Give it a 10 out of 10. That's not how this works. You got right. one take. You think he's going to come back at it? No. Oh, totally. You dragged him. Maybe he's so embarrassed that he doesn't even come back at you. Yeah. Billy, what's the matter with you? You should have just left this at one thing. <laughs> Billy, you were encouraging me. You. None of us were. Except for Dominique. He's buttless. Whoa! He's buttless. You can't let a man walk around buttless after he disrespected but He I has th- no butt. Yeah, well, no that, butt. That, there's no logic to that. It is know? logic to it. The but I think my friendship L-M. with CJ McCollum grows. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. CJ yeah. agrees with that. I complimented that, CJ. Lehigh? I bet you Dame Dollar listens to that and he's like, oh no, I am Ray Flip Friends. <laughs> Kansas, cook em.
Why'd you throw that? Whiteside, too. You took shots at Whiteside. You sit in that chair, you become me. <laughs> I mean, you said Rafe LaFrance. When I hear Rafe LaFrance, I think Kansas. <laughs> You're right. Cook'em. Put that on the poll. When you hear Rafe LaFrance, do you think Kansas? Yeah. What else would you think? Kansas. Kansas. I'm hearing a new East Coast, West Coast, Tupac, Biggie, rap war. Oh, we'll have to wait and see how that happens. Speaking of battling and war, Stephen A. Smith, he does that on the microphone every weekday right here on 560 The Joe from 1 to 3. He is next. Also, maybe some Dano and Dono action getting you ready for the Florida Panthers game at 7 o'clock. The best of the Joe show. The best of the Joe show. Running back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. It's Dan Day, and you are listening to my favorite Motley Crue song, Kickstart My Heart. Happy birthday to drummer Tommy Lee, 57 years young today. A couple other big classic rock birthdays. Lindsey Buckingham of Buckingham Knicks. Fleetwood Mac, 70 years old today. And Stevie Ray Vaughan, R.I.P., born in 1954, died in 1990. It seems like Stevie Ray Vaughan, no, it doesn't seem like he did, love dive bars. And I know for a fact that I'm not the only person in the room right now that loves him a dive bar. I am joined by my compadre, Alex Dono. Alex Dono, the dive bars are rejoicing, whether it be On the Rocks, whether it be Duffy's Implantation, whether it be Seven Season Coral Gables, they're saying, finally, these two are back together. And and I am like the, the vice president of the dive bars, like... I love dive, bar- dive bars almost as much as you do. I don't think the dive bars love me as much as they love them some Dan Day. They love you, man. They love the Dono. They love the Dano. They love us, <laughs> man, because we represent. We live that lifestyle. They love us. So what are you doing here, first of all? Let's talk about that. Well, I'm really excited that after a very long off season and a very long preseason, because preseason always feels so long because you want to get to the actual hockey, Florida Panthers are opening their season tonight, Dan. I know you're aware of that. Against the best team probably in the league. Wow. Well, yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning are sensational. The Panthers will see a a man by the name of Nikita Kucherov on the ice tonight who's incredibly good. But uh, this will be, uh, I think, my sixth year working on Florida Panthers broadcasts. And uh, I strongly believe I have not covered a team this good. Now, I know that everything before the season starts is on paper, but when you look at the talent on this team, you look at the coaching they've added in Joel Quenville, you look at the goaltending they've added with Sergei Bobrovsky, who you're going to see in net tonight for the Panthers, the expectations for this team are sky high. And, Dan, uh, for years I've really wanted a strong in-state rivalry between the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, they've they've played each other in the last preseason, last three preseason games. They'll have the first two regular season games against one another. But you've never had these teams clicking and good at the same time. You, they've never played a playoff series. So you haven't really seen that rivalry. I'm hoping this is the year that we really kickstart it. And we could really get into, I like that, by the way, kickstart. Yeah. We can get into the X's and O's and the Jim's and Joe's. But for someone that's a very casual hockey fan that's saying, you know, I'll watch it here and there. I don't really know much about it. Why should they follow this team, and why is this season going to be more exciting than many of the other seasons that we've had in the past? Well, you're going to see, I think, a lot of goals scored this year. I mean, Alexander Barkov, the captain, scored 35 goals last season. Mike Hoffman scored 36 goals. I mean, I think this team's going to be lighting the lamp a lot, and I think they're going to be really good because even if you're not a big hockey fan, I think you will be if you watch this team because people want to watch a team that's scoring. They want to watch a team that's winning, and I think the Panthers will do a lot of both of those things this year. Coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. 
tonight. A good product. Always very fun to watch. From the ice to the heat yesterday, Kelly Ripa's birthday. You know, Ooh. both of us were excited. Today, it's Gwen Stefani's birthday. Man, I, I don't know which one of those two I, I enjoy more. Pick I, your I'm, pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm big fans of both. I think maybe I'm slightly more of a Gwen Stefani guy, but Kelly Ripa is sensational. She's one of my top hot messes. Her, Miley Cyrus, <laughs> Victoria Justice. Oh, you can't go wrong with any of those. And you and I, you know, you like the bad girls. I like the hot messes. You really just pick your pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to be on at 7 o'clock, correct? 7 o'clock. Uh, Doug Plagans is going to have the call. He's out there in Tampa Bay ready to go. So you'll hear from, uh, from Doug and me at 7 o'clock. They'll drop the puck, you know, a few minutes after that. Doug drops gold on Twitter all the time, whether he's at a different baseball park or he's a different hockey match. You also drop platinum. <laughs> so if people want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do it? Really easy. At Alex Dono. If you can figure out how to spell my last name, it's D-O-N-N-O. So at Alex Dono. Find all my mayhem there on Twitter. One more thing. Is it Stephen A. Smith or Stephen A. Smith? Stephen A. Smith! You're hearing from him right now. The best of the Joe Show. This is an aberration. Ladies and gentlemen, a miracle is about to take place right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show on ESPN Radio. Something that is about to happen that has never, ever, ever happened in my history of doing radio. Ever, ever. And do you know what that is? I'm about to lead my show about the New York Mets. The New York Mets, who I openly and unapologetically don't give a damn about because they're the Mets. They are not the Yankees. They are not winners like the Yankees are. And I'm a native of Queens, New York. I grew up 15 minutes from the old Chase Stadium before I became City Bank Field. I don't give a damn about the Mets. I leave that to Don Juan LaGreca. For those of you in Nationwide who may not know who that is, Don Juan LaGreca is an absolutely fabulous radio host, partnering with Michael K and the Michael K Show every weekday in New York City. And Don Juan LaGreca knows his hockey, too. The only thing I know about hockey is that the puck is black. That's about it. And it's played on ice. I don't know a damn thing about hockey. Okay? But when it comes to these Mets, I know this much. They ain't the Yankees. I know that for a third consecutive year, they've missed the postseason. I know that Mickey Calloway has just been fired as the manager for the Mets, despite winning going 77 and 85 last year, improving by nine games to 86 and 76 this year, being a manager that was exiled after recording a winning record in that particular season, Van Wagenen, the general manager for the New York Mets, clearly wants to move in a different direction, put his own prints on the franchise. He came a year after Mickey Calloway was hired as manager. That's not his choice. He stomached it for this season. Now he's gone. Now he's gone. I got to say this. I feel bad for Mickey Calloway. I do. Brody Van Wagenen, executive VP and GM, deciding to let this man go. Look. Let me say this. We all know Pete Alonzo was a stud as a rookie, 53 home runs, which was a record, 120 RBIs. The kid was absolutely fabulous. I know you brought on Robinson Cano, who spent most of the year injured. I got news for you. With the money he's making, 13 home runs, 39 RBIs, and 107 games with a 256 batting average, that ain't selling nothing. Rosario and Todd Frazier and J.D. Davis and these boys, I get it. You got some respectable talent. Conforto as well. Let's not forget him and his 33 home runs. Mickey Calloway did not do an awful job. The Mets, who we determined long ago was a practical wasteland en route to nowhere, resurrected their season. And for a time, the Mets were the best story in baseball. They really were. They were absolutely fabulous. But sustainability matters. And they didn't have that capability. And as a result, they're moving on. And by the way, 
as much as I respect Mickey Callaway for the job that he did, they're moving on at the right time because I'm here to tell you, looking at my producer extraordinaire, Jonathan Winthrop, looking at my man, JC, let me tell y'all something right now. When you look at some of the candidates out there, I don't mind. I really, really don't mind. I'm here to tell you right now. You got Joe Madden who just got let go by the Cubs. Although he did so at a press conference with a glass of wine, it seemed. Very relaxed and cool with the decision. You got Joe Girardi and Buck Showalter out there. Established, bona fide managers. We all know what they bring to the table. Me personally, I like a Joe Girardi. As much as I love and appreciate the job that Aaron Boone has done for the New York Yankees, and there is no question at this particular juncture considering his relationship, And the way he's cultivated those relationships with the Yankees, he's the right man for the job and he deserves our credit and our respect, particularly as a former colleague here at ESPN. I love Aaron Boone. Love the job that he's done. But it doesn't mean that I was happy to see Joe Girardi leave. Because I think Joe Girardi's a hell of a manager. And I think one of the first things the Mets should do is pick up the phone and call him. Buck Showalter, not so much. I know he's great. I know his knowledge of baseball is impeccable. I get all of that. But I can't forget how pathetically awful the Baltimore Orioles were in his last year there. That's just me, John. That's just me. That's just me. I'm a Joe Girardi kind of guy. And I guess one could argue, after managing the New York Yankees for so many years in the Bronx, talk about a step down going all the way, going over to Queens, the coach to manage the Mets. I don't know. And if that's not a job that he wants, I respect that. Maybe Joe Girardi can end up in Chicago. Maybe he could do that. That way we don't have to worry about whether or not Joe Girardi is massaging egos or is he sabotaging young players because he's so stoic and hardcore and principled in so many ways, which certainly isn't a bad thing. That might not be something the younger generation gravitates to, whereas with the Chicago Cubs, it ain't necessarily the younger generation anymore. These ain't puppies. You got some experienced dudes on that squad. Maybe Joe Girardi is what the Chicago Cubs need. If I'm Joe Madden, Some people say the San Diego Padres is the best job for him to take. As far as I'm concerned, if I got an opportunity to manage Mike Trout, I'm going to probably do that. San Diego or Anaheim, either should work for Joe Madden. But to me, Joe Girardi should be New York or Chicago. Buck Showalter, I don't know. I just don't know because you can lose with him. And I'm not saying it's his fault. It's not like the man don't know what he's doing. It's not like the man hasn't had a relatively exceptional career, but I will remind everybody. Last time I saw saw Buck Showalter managing a team, the man was 47 and 115. I'm going to repeat that. I understand how bad the Orioles were. I understand that's not his fault. In four years with the New York Yankees, he won 53% of his games. In three years with the Arizona Diamondbacks, he won 51% of his games. In four years with the Texas Rangers, he won 49% of his games. And the Baltimore Orioles, the same. This man was a manager in Major League Baseball for 20 years and never won more than 53% of his games. I don't know about the rest of y'all. I don't need that if I'm the Mets. At the end of the day, we don't know what Buck Walter knows. But we do know your record. And if your record is what your record is, ain't no way around it. Period. Once won 100 games with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Didn't do anything in the postseason. We got to call it like we see it, do we not? 20 years as a manager. Never won more than 53% of his games, and that was only once. If I'm the Mets, I need something different than that. I just do, ladies and gentlemen. I just do. Reading off of SNY, it said months ago, they reported the Mets have done background work on a former Yankees manager. The team has expressed private concerns about Girardi's sometimes tense demeanor with players in the media, but are drawn to his skill, intelligence, and experience. Girardi wants to manage again and will consider the Mets. Okay. Then there's Buck Showalter. Reading from SNY, Andy Martino, to be exact. 
Buck Showalter, a brilliant and polarizing figure in the game, has supporters and detractors in the Mets organization. Some folks are impressed by Showalter's charisma and instincts. Others wonder how collaborative he can be. Expect him to be on a list of potential candidates. So I was right about those two. Luis Rojas. The Mets quality control coach is seen as a promising managerial prospect. Some influential folks in the organization believe he is not quite ready and should be a bench coach. Excuse me. A quality control coach should not be elevated to a manager in the media capital world. Hell no. He needs to wait or go someplace else, get the experience, and then come back to the Mets as a manager. Mike Matheny, remember the former manager for the St. Louis Cardinals? Here's what they say about him. While several folks in the game have noted that Matheny and Fred Wilpon are closer than people realize because of their University of Michigan connection, Matheny is widely expected to be the next manager of the Kansas City Royals. He is tightly wound and might struggle in New York still because of the connection his name could arise in a mess process. I will say this. I had the pleasure of interviewing Mike Matheny one time. I only met him once. I don't know anything about him compared to what folks who actually cover the sport of baseball know. But I will tell you this. He certainly didn't strike me as tightly wound up. i tell you that. He seemed like a relatively personable dude. Maybe it was because he was there to promote a book. I don't know. But he seemed to have a nice personality. He seemed pretty cool to me. So I don't know that tightly wound stuff, how accurate that is. Then there's A.J. Hinch. Remember, Astros manager. They're favored to win the World Series with that rotation. Led by Verlander, Cole, Green Key. I can't see anybody being them, even though the Yankees supposedly are very, very confident. But this Astros manager apparently is Brody Van Wagenen's close friend. And industry speculation has swirled for months that the Mets might try to trade for him. This one is likely to remain an interesting rumor, though. Folks familiar with the situation say that while Hinch may might be ready for a new challenge, a manager, a managerial trade or a manager trade would be simply too complicated and too much of a long shot. Here's why I tell you it should be a long shot. John, JC, let me tell you something. Do you have any idea what should happen to an, a manager for the Astros who would think about leaving to take the Mets job? That person should be drug tested immediately. Immediately. If A.J. Hinch was to leave the Astros to go and take over the New York Mets coaching job, he could, she should be psychologically tested. Something is definitely wrong with him. Oh, by the way, David Cohn. Former Major League Baseball pitcher, former uh, former uh, Met and current yes broadcast uh, a broadcaster, also has a desire to manage. He's let that be known. I mean, after all, once Aaron Boone did it with the New York Yankees, why not do it if you're David Cohn? He is deeply conversant in analytics and an affable communicator. The Mets likely prefer experience, but Cohn could represent an Aaron Boone type moonshot. All right, I like that. Worth consideration. Bruce Bochy, a legend. Last year in San Francisco, that's what this past season was. If the Giants legend decides to unretire for 2020, word is the Mets won't see him as a fit. Understood. Joe Madden, friends of the Alston Cup skipper, expect him to become the next manager of the Angels. Oh, uh, let me guess. Pete Alonzo or Mike Trout? I love Alonzo. Alonzo. Love him. Proud of the job he did this year. 53 home runs, 53 home runs. He ain't no Mike Trout. Let us be clear. He ain't no Mike Trout. That's a bad brother right there. So all of those things are things to consider. My money, I'd bet it if they know what they're doing over there in Queens. I would bet my money on Joe Girardi being the next manager for the New York Mets. Or at least having the option to accept the job or not accept the job. That's just me. I mean, after all, he was a Yankee for all those years. He does have a winning pedigree. He does know a little thing or two about winning, which the boys in Queens should want to be infected by. You always know where Stephen A. Smith stands. He wants Joe Girardi to be the Mets next manager. You don't always know where Washington State University head coach Mike Leach stands because he kind of talks in circles and 
Oftentimes, it's not about football. This week, though, he did talk about football, and I always try to fit in Mike Leach on the show as much as possible because I absolutely love the guy. I kind of relate to the guy, even though he doesn't always make sense. Here he is coming off a huge loss to the University of Utah talking about his team. Well, we're a very soft team. You know, we get a lot of good press. We like to read it a lot. Uh, We like to pat ourselves on the back. Um, You know, and if we get any resistance... We fold, and what's amazing about this is um, uh, most of these guys were on the same team last year that was a tough team. Last year's team was a tough team for us, and uh, we got nearly the same guys, and now all of a sudden they're not tough. You know, they're fat, dumb, and happy and entitled. So, Get Mike Leach and myself in a room together with some beer. You're going to have some fun. I happen to be Dan Day, and if you know me, you know I love soccer, especially MLS soccer. So i got to say big happy birthday to my man Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He is 38 today. What makes Zlatan Ibrahimovic so great? Hear this. The regular season is not important, according to to everybody. Only the playoff. And uh, like all the athletes says, when the playoff comes, I have to put on the playoff mode. But the difference with me and them is that I have playoff mode every day. Playoff mode. we got opening season mode next with the Florida Panthers. I'm Dan Day. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.